You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Too Much, Part 3. Enjoy. We got a nice hot meal of Jesus prepared for you. God's been preparing it all week and we want you to eat it so that you're strong and nourished for this upcoming week. High blood pressure, see you later. Right? It doesn't belong to you anymore. It's time for a healthy blood pressure. Right? Stable, strong, healthy blood, healthy pressure, the right pressure in your veins and arteries. Right? Glory to God forevermore. I think we're just going to keep on rolling. I think right here, if you want to scoot over, we should be good. Thank you, Lord God. That's the end of no more high blood pressure. We're not having it. We're trusting God for every outcome of our lives. Jennifer said something to me. She was listening to a a message this morning, and and she said, uh, oh, this is for you. She said, if you ever have the thought that everything depends on you, kill that thing. That it's all riding on you. It's all depending on you. No, it's not. You can't carry that weight. You never meant to carry that weight, right? Our, Our focus in life is knowing him, fellowshipping with Jesus. We'll let him take care of the rest. Hallelujah. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just thinking, uh, this morning, Give this woman a mic. <laughs> I just uh, have the chemistry. Jesus. Our, our biological chemistry mm-hmm. uh, that God had put in my spirit this morning. Mm. And these things, not resting, not receiving his goodness, not knowing, not leaning yeah. your full personality on his power, his Ooh. goodness, his wisdom. It'll mess you up. But God has come. So I speak to chemistry, blood chemistry. Yes. And um, the endocrine system in the name of Jesus. Yes, in Jesus' name. The living water. Water is neutral. In Jesus' name. Uh, Acids and bases, you know, chemistry come together. They neutralize. They cancel. The living water. Water is neutral. Hallelujah. It cleanses. It cancels. it, It cleans. And Amen. in the name of Jesus, I speak to the chemistry. Your, Go your, ahead. Your physical, bodily, right here. Come biological on. chemistry. In, in your body. Jesus. Thank you, that Lord. That it be Thank you, that Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, in Jesus. Name. Glory to God. That's it. And we enter into this rest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We receive it. Man is trying his best, right, to fix the human condition, but he can't do it. That's no slam against man. It's just the facts, right? We need a Savior. We need a supernatural healer that lives inside of us where no CAT scan or MRI can, can uh, penetrate deep into our spirit, right? Thank you. We've got a Savior who lives in our spirit. We've got his very spirit inside of us. The very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us, giving life to our mortal bodies every moment. And he never gets tired. He's, a, he's our constant supply of health, peace, and power. Woo! And it's available to anyone through simple faith in Christ. We're just going higher. So I hope you're ready for an increased altitude. Because I'm telling you, the weather's good up here. The skies are clear. No turbulence. Glory to God forevermore. This is 2018. It's the year of too much. 
It's a year of fatness, a year of abundance. In Isaiah 10, 27, uh, Isaiah prophesied of a day when the, the yoke of our enemy, the burden of our enemy, the burden of the curse of sin, the burden of condemnation, the burden of constantly trying to improve your life and fix yourself would be broken because of God's spirit inside of us, because of what Jesus would do. Jesus destroyed the yoke of our enemy. And I think it's the, I don't have it in front of me, is it the King James said, it will be broken because of fatness. It speaks of this internal uh, strengthening, this supernatural building up on the inside. And Jude says, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Boy, I'll tell you what, I encourage you to pray in the Spirit and enter a whole new dimension of life. Let's do it for a moment here. Shuri amula regeshi amula regenduro gumela regengora gendi alare shemagundare malura jomegundare. Keep praying in the spirit. If you haven't received it yet, just receive it now and pray with us. It's just Acts. It's just the New Testament. Shundi amala regemadal shemagundare regemolare eshe alare gumelande shengora gumela regengora gondi amala regen. Gura malare gendura, mashe alare gendura geshi amulara, mundi alare gendura, gondi alare gendura, gomalare gendura, goshe malare gendura. I see handcuffs being broken. I see people being set free from bondages and things that have attached themselves their whole lives. Freedom, bondage, broken from addictions right now in Jesus' name. Things that have followed people for years, broken in the name of Jesus Christ. It's time for the stealing to stop the devil. It's time to stop what the devil's doing. He shall steal from you no more. It's time for life. Super abundant life. I know this is not religiously correct, but it's, the, it's Jesus. Just get the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Acts, everything that is in Acts in the church is yours today. So many Christians have been robbed of the power of the Holy Spirit because of what they've been told by their churches. That it passed away and no, it's not for everybody. You won't find that in the scriptures. You'll find that in man's thinking because he's trying to explain his lack, his difficult experiences with the scriptures. We don't want to do that. Right? We want to submit to the person of Christ and let him change our life experience. Right? Come on, God, you're so good. Woo! So in this year, 2018, you may not know it, but God is totally committed. He's his pedals to the metal to bless you in every area of your life. Are you talking about me? Yes. This is for everybody. Hi, Facebook. This is for you. That's the heart of God. He, he has thoughts of you that just keep rolling through his mind. He has these strategies and dreams to prosper you. This is Bible as Bible can be, and I know this has not been taught. Boy, we're going to get into some good stuff today. Are you all right? This is the year when the goodness of God becomes your method of operation. When the, your personal knowledge of the goodness of God becomes the foundation of every decision you make. That's 2018. 
and it's going to change the way you live. This is the year when you're going to be seeking all of your happiness in him and expecting all of your happiness from him. This is the year. So last week we started talking about misinformation because we want all that God has for us. See, healing isn't something that we're trying to get from God. It's part of his nature, right? So we're not after things. We're after his heart. We're after intimacy with him. We want to know the, the, uh, the intimacies of his character and nature, all right? But in order to experience the intimacies of God's nature, you have to recognize misinformation. Because, man, it's flowing through the earth. Misinformation about God, misinformation about you, misinformation about other people, misinformation about just about everything. So we started talking about that last week because we want to recognize misinformation and kick it out because it's a thief and we're not going to let it steal from us anymore. We want to experience every ounce of Jesus in our lives. Now, if any information comes your way, and this is called the age of information, right? We had the industrial age and we've got the age of information now. If any information comes your way, and it's contrary to the person and ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. It's misinformation. Very important. Jesus is what enables us to recognize misinformation. We study him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts because he's the knowledge of God. And what's amazing about getting close with Jesus, it, it affects every area of your life. And as you get to know him better and understand his nature, you'll find misinformation will be revealed in your life. In every area. It's amazing. Because he's a comprehensive God. He doesn't want your, your right hand whole and your left hand uh, uh, bound. He wants both hands, both feet, both ears, both eyes, your whole person, spirit, soul, and body well. So this is a year we want to replace ignorance with truth. Ignorance of God with the knowledge of God. Now, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me. This is so simple. But how repeatedly in my life, if I'm feeling stress or anxiety, it's simply a matter of, wait a minute, trust Him. When I'm believing and trusting in Jesus, I experience peace. If I'm believing and trusting in misinformation, my heart becomes troubled. So this is how you'll know, is there misinformation in my thinking? There's some things that I'm believing that really aren't true because you'll, you'll detect a troubling on the inside. Misinformation, believing it will distress you. It will trouble you. It will agitate you. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace, God's riches at Christ's expense, right? everything he provided for us through the finished work of his Son, and peace, well-being, prosperity, wholeness will be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. Second Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. 
So the more knowledge of God, and I'm not talking about trivia and, and being able to recite the books of the Bible. I'm talking about knowing his character and nature. Right? That if anything contrary to his character and nature, any sickness, disease, lack, fear, worry, anxiety tries to enter my life, I recognize it for what it is and I take authority over it. You can't do that if you don't know his character and nature. And you know what's from him and what's not from him. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 9. We want too much of God. He's a too much God and we want too much of him. We're in this, we're in this for, the, for the gold medal, right? We're going all the way with him. And in John chapter 14, in uh, verse 9, we've got there, the verse before that, Philip said to Jesus, he said, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. I'm going to make sure. Am I all together for the live stream? Is my zipper down? Or okay. I always forget to check, and then I get home. Like, Don't! Okay. All right. John 14, 9. So Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll be enough for us. And look what Jesus, the knowledge of God, says to Philip. He says, have I been so long with you? And yet you have not come to have an experiential knowledge of me. Can we move those scriptures, Eden, up to the top, all of them? Can you do that? <clears throat> have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to have an experiential knowledge of me, Philip? He who has discerningly seen me has seen the Father with discernment. Are you telling me you can go to church for decades and not experience Jesus? Absolutely. Hello. Yeah. How is that possible? You can, you can do all the things your church tells you to do and be a good little Christian and never taste Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Here's a man that walked with the living Christ in the flesh and had no experiential knowledge of him. He stood next to him as he raised the dead and he hadn't tasted him. How's that possible? Misinformation. He believed that if he could just see the Father, he had this religious concept of God, that God was somewhere he couldn't see. And that if somehow he could get to the Father, he'd be all set. But the Father was standing in front of him in the person of the Son. He said, he who has discerningly seen me has seen the Father with discernment. This word is so important in the age we're living in. Discernment. Christians are eating up social media. And there is so much misinformation. I mean, you can't even put it in a container. It's by the shipload, just misinformation. After, and I see Christians reading it. Oh, really? Oh, and they get mad about it. And they make posts about it. And their whole countenance changes because of what they've just read so-and-so said. Or what so-and-so said so-and-so said. Or what a source, unnamed source says. It's all misinformation. It's sad to say it, but the, the media is a major manufacturer of misinformation. And how many Christians are so stressed because of what they're hearing from the media and what they're seeing on social media. Don't do it. There's a better way to live. It's the knowledge of Jesus. The knowledge of God. 
Hallelujah. So this word discernment, I like it. It means simply the ability to know what's true and what's false. Isn't that good? The word discern, it means to perceive, to see, to observe, to detect, to recognize, to notice. Do you notice misinformation before you eat it? Identify, to determine, to distinguish, to spot. And to pick out. We're picking out what is true and false in our lives. The false goes, the true stays. You got to be brave to do this. People are going to criticize you. Your friends may change. But boy, is it worth it. Misinformation can keep you from experiencing God's will for your life. Wow. It can block the abundant life God Christ came to give you. This is a big deal. We're like uh, information factories. We, whatever we choose to receive goes inside of us. And we meditate on it and it starts reproducing in us. And it comes out here and here and here and it changes our lives. So before you eat anything, you need to discern, is this something I need to put inside of me? So the lack of God's true nature and will makes you susceptible to misinformation. If you don't know, for example, a very common uh, thing taught in, in, in churches is that we believe God can heal, but it's not his will to heal everybody. It's basically up to him, and we have no way of really knowing that, but we'll pray for you and see what happens, right? That's major misinformation. How do I know that? Because the church I go to has a creed on their wall? No, I've studied Jesus. I see that he never made one person sick. Never. He never taught one person that you're in that condition because God wants to teach you something. Why would a minister of the gospel ever utter such foul, filthy words? Misinformation. You've got to recognize this stuff. And the only way you're going to recognize it is by studying Jesus because there's an anti-Jesus spirit in the earth, right? The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. That's not a mystery to us. And what's the devil up to? What's he trying to, 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 to do in your life? Trying to take your focus off of the real Jesus and put it on anything else. He wants your focus to go off of how much God loves you, off of what he's already accomplished for you through his son onto anything else. He doesn't care what that is as long as it's not that. Exactly. Exactly. It's a decoy, right? He wants you to blame people for the issues of your life. Right? I'm this way because they did this to me. Because the government has this thing in plan. Because whoever, my teacher, it doesn't matter. As long as you don't recognize the battle you're in is a spiritual battle, he's happy. He doesn't want you to know that your, your, your war, your issues are a spiritual battle. You're not battling against flesh and blood. You're not battling against the government, against political parties, against churches, against people. There's a devil that wants to take you down. That's where the battle is. 
discernment. Do you recognize when the devil knocks on your door? He looks like a UPS guy probably. No, just kidding. He might, he might be nicely dressed. I don't know. He might have ice cream in his right hand and a Hershey bar in his left. Something you like. Because he wants to lure you away from the abundant life Christ came to give you. UPS does a good job. Nothing against that. They deliver lots of packages to me in a timely manner. So just being silly. So we've got some major manufacturers of misinformation trying to keep you from experiencing the too much life God has for you. The media we've already mentioned, right? Media is a huge one. Politics, another one. Woo! Misinformation on the left side and the right side and everything in between, right? That's why we follow Christ, not Democrats or Republicans. We follow Christ. Hello. Man, and I'm telling you, people get mad about this. Well, I've been a such and such for ever since I can remember my dad, my granddad. Listen, I'm a follower of Christ, not my dad and granddad. I'm following Jesus. I'm not following a political party. So it doesn't matter what either one of them say. Jesus is my government. Jesus is my president. Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. I've got a constitution, and it's not in Washington. It's in Romans. Woo! Glory to God. I've got a bill of rights, and you'll find it in the New Testament. And no one can change it, and no one can amend it. Glory to God. So we're, we're focused on Jesus, not politics. You want to know another major manufacturer of misinformation? Religion. Religion. Woo! Is that a doozy? You want to talk about misinformation? Boy, oh boy, I'm going to get into that a little bit more. It's full of, religion's full of it. Full of misinformation about God. Wow! You just take some church doctrine, you pick the church, and you line it up next to the ministry of Jesus, and you see how it differs. You'll be shocked. We're going to get into the history in New England here in just a little bit of church history. It's, it's pretty sad. A lot of religion and law instead of love and grace and the Holy Spirit. We're here for love, grace, and the Holy Spirit, right? Woo! So God's too much. He wants to bless you super abundantly. So we started looking at some uh, Abraham last week. You remember that? Let's look at him some more. Because I'm telling you, there is a, there is, there's stuff we can learn from Abraham that will put us in the promised land. Right? That will take us from where we are now to where we want to be. So let's see. Let's go back to Hebrews 11. Oh, we're doing on time here. Hebrews 11, verse 8. You say, why are we talking about Abraham? Isn't he Old Testament? No. He not. He's the father of our faith. Right? He wasn't under Levitical law. He wasn't under the Ten Commandments. That was hundreds of years after God spoke to Abraham. Hundreds of years. He cut a covenant with God. Actually, it's amazing. You look in Genesis when he cut the covenant. God put him to sleep and God came down and cut it with his son. It's an amazing, uh, amazing uh, life and example, this covenant of Abraham. He's the father of our faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. This is what we're looking at. Why did God choose Abraham? What was it about him? Was it his address? What was his occupation? How he dressed? 
Well, let's see. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So he's living by his spirit, not his intellect, right? He didn't map it out. He didn't know. He just knew God spoke to me and told me to go. I'm going to go. Now, the definition we read, I want to look at again last week, of faith. It's given in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 4. This is what Abraham done, did. By the leaning of his entire human personality on God, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, Abraham went. So if I think it all depends on me, who am I leaning on? Me. If I think it depends on other people, who am I leaning on? Other people. Leaning his entire human personality on the one who made him. This is faith. Now, it's not hard for me to go home and lean my entire personality on my recliner. It's easy. And that's what I want you to do with Jesus. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a recliner. His throne had a reclining mode, you know, the five buttons on the side. (laughs) Why? Because it's done. I'm not being disrespectful. It's a finished work. He's seated. Why is he seated? Because it's done. He accomplished our redemption. That doesn't mean, you know, that that his second coming, he's coming back, and there are things that have to take place. But as far as your provision for this life, spirit, soul, and body, it's yours. Hallelujah. So let's go back to uh, Hebrews 11. Uh, Let's look at uh, verse 9 now. By leaning his entire personality on God in absolute trust, in his wisdom, power, and goodness, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Verse 10. For Abraham was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is nothing less, no one less than God himself. Abraham was not happy with anything or anyone in this world. He wanted God and he was willing to walk away from everyone and anything he ever knew to have God. That's faith. There's nothing weak or indecisive about this life we're living. We are followers of Christ. We gladly walk away from anyone or anything that would hinder our intimacy with Jesus. Because he's our everything. Wait, see what we're learning from Abraham. Isn't this good? Abraham wasn't afraid to think differently. He wasn't uh, locked into his traditions. Let's look at when God called him in Genesis chapter 12. We're talking about God's too muchness. You want to talk about a too much plan for your life. Look at God's too muchness and his too much plan for Abraham. Verse 1 of Genesis 12. 
Now the Lord, this is Jehovah, the maker of heaven and earth, he speaks to Abram, that was his name at this point, and he said, get out of your country, boy. Move it. I got a plan for you. Right? I want a change to come about in your life. Get out of your country, out from your family. And from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now you realize, how old was Abraham when God spoke this to him? 75 years old. 75. That's a lot of time to build friendships. To have business relationships. To know everyone on your block. Right? To, have, to be in a routine. To develop traditions. 75 years of it, and here comes the maker of heaven and earth. Now, in Joshua, we're not going to go there, stay in Genesis. Joshua 24.2, it tells us that Abraham and his father worshipped idols. Joshua 24.2. What? They worshipped other gods. And, And historians and sociologists tell us that the Ur of the Chaldeans, where Abram lived, that they were moon worshippers. Abraham grew up for 75 years worshiping pagan gods, worshiping the god of the moon. And his dad was a moon worshiper, probably had a polo shirt with a moon right here or something like that. And they had a moon club, right, that all the guys went to on the weekends. Wow. Anything or anyone that has been created is not worthy of your worship. Anyone or anything that's been created that has a beginning is not worthy of your devotion and worship. Only the Creator who has no beginning is worthy of your whole self. So what, who or what are you giving yourself to? We're going to give our whole self to the one who has no beginning. The creator, not the creation. So we don't worship the sun. We don't worship the moon. We don't worship the earth. We don't worship our pets. They're all created things. We worship the creator. He's the one we don't want to be without. 75 years, that's a lot of pets. Abraham had to leave Spot, Rover, and Fido. It's not easy. Verse 2. Talk about too much. I'm going to make you, one man, a great nation. What's 1 Peter 1.9 say? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. You're not just going to be blessed. You're going to become a blessing. And everywhere you go will change because you're there. This is too much. Verse 3. I remember, it's, it's never ceased to fail. Wherever we move to, it gets better. That's right. 
The first place we, we lived uh, when we got to New England, it, we just saw if the road needed paved, after we got there, it'd get paved. Because we are a blessing now. Everywhere we go, it improves. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, what? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. God, you're too much. You can't get any bigger than that. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to transform you into a blessing. Everywhere you go, it's going to change. And I'm going to bless every single family on planet earth through you. God's too much, isn't he? Did he have to say all this? Yes, because that's how much love is in him. We can't think small. We can't afford to think small. This is not about us. It's about his love for us. He wants to love He loves everybody. He wants every family on earth to know how much he loves them. Wow. There's nothing small about this. God wants to bless every family on earth through you. Wow. Have you ever thought about that before? Every family on earth, God wants to bless through you. That changes the way you live when you realize what God wants to do. Let's look at Romans 4. It describes Abraham some more. We'll see how far we get. Romans 4, verse 13. It was not through law. Now, why are so many churches preaching law? Why are so many Christians focused on the Ten Commandments? Misinformation. Misinformation. It was not through law. It wasn't even written yet that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world. Uh, that's a promise. <laughs> that's a big promise, isn't it? Come on, is that too much or what? And I'm, I'm emphasizing this because we, start, we talk about the things that we talk about at Highway Church. If you don't know how too much God is, you might think, you know, you just turn it off. Oh, come on, that's too much. God wants to heal my whole body. He wants me to be healthy for the rest of my life. God wants me to be wealthy and prosperous and, and have more than enough. That's who he is. There's nothing small about him. Heir of the world, are you kidding me? How did this promise come to him? Through the righteousness that comes by never making a mistake. Did Abraham make some mistakes? Oh yeah, he did, didn't he? So we see right now that this righteousness God has given us is not dependent upon us. And whether we fall or don't fall. It's a righteousness that comes by faith. Faith in what? In him. Right? That he's given us his righteousness. Man, is this something. What's an heir? H-E-I-R. It's a person that's legally entitled to the property of another and to the rank of another. Upon that person's death, Jesus died, didn't he? The way that most Christianity is taught is that we, be, we receive our inheritance when we get to heaven. That's not true. You receive your inheritance when the one who is giving it to you dies, not when you die. Right? 
He's died. We've received our inheritance. Your inheritance includes health, peace of mind, wealth, riches, and prosperity. I know this hasn't been preached near enough, but I've got to tell you about it. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. Are you ready for this? Seatbelts are on. Religious goggles are off. Earbuds are out. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are an heir of the world. It belongs to you. Every nickel, every dime, every automobile, every home belongs to you. I know this might be off of your, out of your side of your radar, a different way of thinking, but you get into God and you walk away from your Ur of Chaldean history and you start studying this too much God, you get a whole new way of looking at things. And we're not afraid of what was back there. Because what's in front of us is far greater than what's behind us. Hallelujah. So the promises of God are our inheritance. We've become heirs of the world with Abraham. Now, God wants to bless every family on the earth through you, right? We see all of life now through the lens of God's too muchness. We look at everything now through the lens of God's love. We know His purpose now to bless every family on earth through us. Isn't that John 3.16? For God so loved every family on earth. He gave us one and only. See, it's the same thing He said to Abraham. John 3.16, same thing as Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. So we're thinking now from this moment on, this is how we think. We think and we process things through the lens of God's love and God's plan. So now that helps me to not get mad at people. Because God, I'm a vehicle to bless them. Even if they, they display you know, fingers at me when I'm driving. Or, or, what, or you know, or mad or, or cranky um, and cut in front of me at line or do something, they, they spitefully use me. God wants to bless them. And I don't have to worry because what they're trying to steal from me, God's going to provide for me. No one can curse what God has blessed. I'm not only blessed, but I'm a blessing. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. This is just oozing out of me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. I hate religion. Don't you ever come to church again. You are the church. Be a blessing. Woo! 2 Corinthians 5. Oh, thank you, Lord. Verse 13. If I'm out of my mind... It's for the sake of God. If I'm in my right mind, it's for you. 
For why? What, what, what moves us? Christ's love. We see everything now through the lens of his love. We know that every person I meet, he wants to love and bless. Doesn't matter how they're living, what, what they're caught up in, what they're struggling with, what they say to me, what they do to me. God loves them and wants to bless them. Amen. And that's what moves me. It compels me. It propels me forward. It dictates what I do and don't do. This love has compelled us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who, sh who live, oh, this is a big one, should no longer live for themselves. That will stress you out, living for yourself. Woo! That's, that's hard. So that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And was raised again. What are you living for? Who are you living for? So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. The media can't make us hate anybody. Can't do it. Politics can't make us hate anybody. Religion can't make us hate anybody. Why? Because the love of Christ compels us. So from now on, we regard no one through misinformation. That's what a worldly point of view is. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, yeah, Paul, you must have talked to Philip, right? We do so no longer. Let's read this in the message. This is so good. Verse 14. Christ's love, if you're wondering why we do the things we do, Christ's love has moved us to such extremes. To start a church in 2014 with uh, no promise of any support, family of six, five acres of land, mortgage, lots of bills, and step out and start a church in what many consider to be one of the most challenging areas of the nation to start a church in. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. He's too much. I can't help it. i got to start a church. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. That includes every post. No way am I going to like or share anything that has even a tinge of hatred to it. Even a tinge of, of anything less than the love of Jesus. Mm -mm. I'm not sharing that. I'm not even going to read it. I'm not going to waste my time. His love is the first and last word in everything we do. Well, this is big. Isn't it big? Help us, Holy Spirit, grasp the scale of this thing. Our firm decision, we've already settled it, is to work from this focused center. One man, that's Jesus, died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. Hello, shipmate. 
Verse 15, he included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A what kind of life? A resurrection life. A too much life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. A super abundant life, Jesus said in John 10.10. Man, oh man. We can't afford to think small. Verse 16, because of this decision we've made, we don't evaluate people. Oh, that's stressful to judge others. It is. First of all, you aren't qualified. And you're not made for that. We discern right and wrong, but we don't condemn anyone, right? There's a difference. All right, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore. You, you can go to church your whole life and never experience Jesus because you're looking at him wrong. That's right. That's right. You're seeing him through a stained glass window instead of the flesh and blood that he is. Man, verse 17. Now we look and he put on flesh and blood. You know that, right? He, clothed, he emptied himself of his godliness. And you know, he still has that flesh and blood on. But he's glorified now. He's immortal. Wow. Now we look inside. We're not busybodies trying to figure out what our neighbor's doing. Uh-uh, we don't have time for that. We're not stalkers going on everyone's profiles. We're not. Oh, did she really say that to some? Oh. And then we message someone, oh, you know what I just saw? Never on the No, we don't have time for that nonsense. We're not busybodies. Why? Because we look inside. We found this treasure of heaven that has consumed us. It's the love of Jesus. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons, blossoms, grows, increases, expands, and flourishes. Look at that. Spend your time looking at the resurrection life of Christ inside of you. It's only 24 hours in the day. Make the most of them. Verse 18, all this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and Him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Man, oh man. This brings peace in your relationships. Looking inside at what Christ has done. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah. Giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. Wow. Can you imagine being given a task by God and not knowing it? 
Wouldn't that be sad? So we've learned a lot today. We learned that he loves us. He gave his son for us that to, to, to see to it that we would be blessed and be a blessing. And he wants to love every family on earth through us. And he's given us a task of telling everyone this. This, this totally changes the way you live when you begin to realize this. Verse 20. We're Christ's representatives. Wow. Wow. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences, not fan them into flames, not get into arguments and tell people how wrong we think they are. God forgive us. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences. Man, life's, it's just not worth it, bro. Let it go. <laughs> Love's where it's at. Love shack, baby, love shack. God uses us to persuade men and women. That's all I know of that song, so I don't know what it's about. <laughs> I just sanctified it, I think. Persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work. Wait a minute, whoa. We're talking about a whole, a whole life shift here to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. You want to talk about a job change? Wow. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Love it. How, you say, in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. I'm just so excited. You know, we're going to celebrate in February our fourth anniversary uh, that from when we started the church back in 2014. But the Lord impressed upon my heart uh, Two things. One, be led by His Spirit, not by what you know, this organization says you need to have in place and all the models and all the systems. and Just walk with me. Don't be in a hurry. And keep it simple. So now you see kind of what, what, what moves me. This moved me. I wasn't 75. I was about 19 when the Lord opened my eyes. But I walked away from everything I ever knew because I knew I found life and that nothing could ever compare to it. And it changed the entire course of my life to this day. And from that age to this day, my major life decisions, and I made mistakes, but when any, the little, all of my decisions I would bring before him and look at them at the lens of God's purpose and love. Lord, what do you want me to do? And guarantee you anything the Lord leads you to do will, will lead you deeper into the intimacies of his son. Amen. So you see why we started Highway Church? Because we want everyone to know that God's their friend. And I'm going to say something that might sound crazy to you, but from what, according to my knowledge and studying the history of New England going all the way back 
to the to the 1600s the gospel of grace has never been preached like we're preaching it here you study it out one of the most famous revered sermons that that christian churches revere and hold high is about that the, the the whole focus of it is God is angry with sinners. And I remember being on a, a, an event with other men and they were, you know, esteeming this sermon. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Have you ever read that? It talks about God holding sinners over the flames of hell like spiders and abominable insects. This is the history of church in New England. Study it out. The Puritans came here. They weren't pure. They were Pharisees. Jesus, I know this sounds tough. Jesus looked right at them and called them vipers. Brood of vipers. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm trying to open our eyes and get us out of this pit of vipers into the life that Christ came to give us. And they had a long list of what you can and can't do. Full of rules. And if you didn't live up to the rules, you weren't pure and you weren't a Christian. That's the history of this area. Study it out for yourself. He had Roger Williams break away from that. And I'm not talking about the politically correct Roger Williams. If you really want to learn history, you've got to go to the primary source. Read what they wrote, not what a historian wrote about them. Because you get all twisted. But if you read what he wrote, he was determined that, that a person, if a person was to know Christ, they had to make that decision on their own. So he loved people. He went down to what's now Rhode Island, right? And, and he preached the Bible everywhere he went, but he never forced it on anyone. He was convinced that a person's conscience is paramount, not to violate their conscience. This is why we're here. We want people to know how much he loves them, how good he is, that he's given us the abundance of his grace, the gift of his righteousness, and he did it all free of charge to you. Wow. It's funny, I read that name, Puritans, and I'm not trying to put him down, but I thought of Isaiah uh, 64. That he says, you know, your righteousness is like filthy rags. Your righteous acts are like filthy rags. And I'm looking at all the people they persecuted in the 1600s, 1700s, because they didn't keep their church rules. And I'm talking, man, that was like filthy rags before God. Wow. Paul said it this way. He was real kind. He said, who's bewitched you? Right? What witch put a spell on you? To make you think that you could earn a righteous standing with God through your rules and regulations. Who's covered your eyes and who's kept you from seeing what God has provided for you through His Son? So this is what we're doing, guys. If you look in the Bible, you'll see, and you look at church history, you'll see there are men and women at some point in time that had a revelation of God's grace. Martin Luther, 
right, was, was a great example of that. He was caught up in religion, but he had a little bit of an understanding that, that we're saved by grace through faith, and it changed the world. In our day, Joseph Prince is someone who has that revelation, only much broader than what Martin Luther had, much, 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 much broader. You look at Martin Luther, he kind of went south later in life, wrote some crazy stuff. So you'll find that transformation comes in people's lives when they realize God's grace. And that's why we're here, Highway Church. We want people to experience the grace of God because that's what relationship with Him is based on. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.